0: To 15. We're going to get there in just a moment. I want to talk to you this morning about purpose. Do you know what your purpose is? I think everything ought to have a purpose, don't you? I remember when, in the first few years of reading the I had to work and take care of my family. I had the opportunity to work in a sales job selling the copy machine. That is a glorious job. Not really, but I remember sitting on one reading sales meetings. I'm thinking, Why is the I was thinking, why did not you just email me the slideshow? So, if you're just gonna read it to me. My kindergarten teacher taught me how to read this book, and so you're just going to read slides for me. I remember sitting in one meeting, counting all of the ends, because the speaker had, had lots of times. He would say, oh, that was a and somebody would like him to sitting there thinking, what is the purpose of this meeting? You know, meetings ought to have a purpose, don't you agree? Church life has a purpose, too. A lot of people go through life struggling to find what that purpose is. And I would say all of us, at some level or another, go through periods of time where we struggle to understand and to know our purpose. Even if there may be a period in your life and you say, I know what my purpose was, I was doing it, and I'll the world around you, or you yourself change it, you may find yourself at a crossroads where, once again, you ask the question, What is my purpose? What am I here to do? Everything has a purpose. I brought a tool with me this morning. This is my I to <laughs> I like tools. so I like to make a message. I like school. Sadly my tools spend more time in the box and it is new. But I have on occasion used use big order tool. Worth more than 50 bucks. It's not an last today. I bought this with my hard-earned money to sell in copy this And it has a purpose. But let me tell you, well, it has a purpose and it works. Let's We can please it you this morning, hopefully. Although is, I took the body out of it and I took the bed out of it, so we should be relatively safe. wait. A good it's a good brand. It's quite a It'll hold up. I brought you some but I'm not going to put them in. And I didn't want to take it, but too Some of you know what this is for, and some of you have no idea. You have the just say, well, it makes a lot of noise. It sounds dangerous, but I have no idea what I would do with this. Some of you might try to put some beers in it and mix up your coffee or something like that. That would make a big mess. So this is for putting edges and corners on wood, it's for rounding off edges, it's for cutting grooves, it's for doing all kinds of cuts where you need a bit that goes down into the wood and up against the wood and makes those cuts. But you know, this router has a purpose, but for me right now mostly it's just sits on the shelf I and mean, it's not really being used. That being said, I just saying it's just the, same, the, same, the one day to use it again. Tools have a purpose, but if the tool lives on the shelf, it's not really living to its purpose. Wouldn't you agree? But when it comes to purpose, you may have a tool like this and have no idea how to use it. I know how to use it, but I'm not using it right now. Therefore, it's not the use according to, it to purpose. But you may have a different problem. If you had this tool, you wouldn't even have the first idea how to use it. Think in life, we have some similar things. Some of us know what our purpose is, but we're not living according to that purpose. And others, others, just really have no idea what the purpose is in the first place. And I think if we come to the end of this series that we've been working on for this month of January on being fruitful from John 15 1 to 11, I believe. Verses 9 through 11 really speak to the idea of fulfillment, how to feel like you accomplished your purpose. God didn't put you here just to exist. He didn't put you here just so you could have fun, live, eat, work, and then someday die. God has a much greater purpose for your life. And if you do not live according to that purpose, you will be very unfulfilled God's Word teaches us a lot about purpose. The Bible teaches us that God created you to bring glory to Him and to make Him known. Revelation 4.11 says it very simply, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and praise. For Thou hast created all things God created all things, known as the last place. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. You were created for God's pleasure. Romans 11, verse says, For of him, speaking of God, and through him, and to him are all things. Can we include you in that? All things? We can include me in that. We're all part of that. It says, To whom be glory forever. Amen. You were created to bring glory to God and to make him known. And we could go on and on. The Bible is very clear on that, all of ours. But the Bible expands on that idea in helping us understand that God created you to do good work. Because you may wonder well, bring glory to God, what does that even look like? Ephesians well, chapter 2. Verses 8 through 10, help us to understand what it looks like. It says, for by grace, are you saved through faith? And it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works like any man should boast. If you are a born-again believer this morning, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you did not do that through your own good works. You can't do it. He says, it's not of works, it's by grace, through faith. But then, verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So you are created for a purpose, to glorify God. The way we glorify God is as we are children of God, if we receive salvation, that gift of salvation from God, then we are to do good works for God, because that's what He has created us to do. In fact, you can go back to the first chapter of the Bible and see God beginning to give that mandate to Adam and Eve. Genesis 1, verse 26, Psalm 15, we're talking about being free. Did you know that idea you can trace it all the way back to Genesis chapter 1? In verse 26, and God said, Let us, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the peace of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth. Upon the earth, verse twenty-seven. So God created man in His own image. You are unique in God's creation. But God created all living things. God created this planet. He created the sun, moon, and stars. He, he created this universe, but you are unique because you are the only part of God's creation that God said i made you in my image. Made in the image of God. That God created man in his own image, and the image of God created in him. Male, and then female, created in him. That's because you we say, ladies, God has a very special plan for your life. Made God has a very special plan for your life. And he's not creating one that says one's more important than the other. He said God created and man's ego. He has a plan for both. And yes, he has an order of things and all those things he seeks that he teaches us. But as far as value and importance, People equal because we're created in the image of God. And notice what God says in verse 28. He says, will bless them. And God said unto them. But I think you'll see from this text, there's actually more truth in that. It is to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God created Adam and Eve in His image. God said, I want you to go multiply. Go be fruitful. God make a bunch more imagery of me. God glorifies when his people are fruitful because God's image is carried out in more places and more people. And we see that taking place through just human reproduction as every person who's ever been Born, every person who's ever been conceived in the womb is made in the image of God, and that's a beautiful thing, and another reason why we believe in the sanctity of life. Because every every individual, every person who's ever been conceived, is made in God's image. People say, "Well, I have a choice. So I can do this or that." It's God's image. It may look like you, but God's have created them. God's image going forth through human reproduction, we also see God's image going forth through human reproduction. Because the reality is this, and if you keep reading on in Genesis, you'll find it very really quickly, that Adam and Eve is created in the image of God. By the time we get to chapter three, they continue. They have God against God. They disobeyed God. Therefore, the Bible teaches this, the image of God was marred in them. It was corrupted in them. They no longer fully demonstrated the image of God in them because of their sin. God sent his sons, Jesus Christ, to forgive us of our sins so that we might have the image of God restored in us. And he says after salvation that we are to be changed into the image of his dear son, into the image of Jesus Christ. He's bringing us back to our original purpose. And so in his command in Genesis 1, to be fruitful and multiply, he's not just talking about having Babies, that we see that being brought up, if we see that spiritual reproduction that takes place, as we share the message of Jesus Christ. Because when lost people become believers in Jesus Christ, when people are spiritually dead, become spiritually alive, the image of God goes forth, and God is glorified. Uh, I just tried to take you through a, a whole semester of theology in five minutes, so uh, I hope you are hanging with me there. But I have a reason for that, because I think it helps us by way of introduction to understand John 15, verses 19, I Because you must recognize that you are created in God's image. And as such, because you think that image has been damaged, to you. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is, he's given a new life, new birth. He's bringing His work to bear in the so that you to the praise of His work. But Jesus is dealing with some of these things here with His disciples. Remember, Jesus is preparing them because He's about to go away. It's not long after this. Just read on through the rest of the book of John, where Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus is preparing these disciples. Imagine what it must have been like for them. Jesus had called them out of obscurity. Fisher, they were fishermen. One was a tax collector. Others were working in various occupations. And Jesus called them to follow him. And they followed him now for some three and a half years. And Jesus is about to go away from them. And they're going to have to do this. They're going to have to live this way. They're going to have to continue on without the one. Who showed them the way in the first place? It's the Jesus prepared them. Almost like a parent might be preparing their child before they leave the next and go on into their future. You know, I remember going through those days, there would be a lot of tears. I don't know how I'm going to decide what to do. You can think about these disciples. They didn't even fully realize things were going to be done. They were almost like deadly, they were surprised by it. Procuring. Notice what he says in John 15. I tested points 9 through 11, but I want to back up and start with verse 8. Herein is my Father's glory, that he bears my fruit. So remember, God had already told us to bear fruit way back in the garden of Eden says, if you're better free, you'll be my disciples. So shall you be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, follow this verse. It's a beautiful verse, describing the love of God as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments, and abide in his love. verse 11. So these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your Notice again, verse 11, Jesus is telling us why he is given this instruction. Would you read verse 11 with me out loud? Let's read it together. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy might be Jesus is speaking these things for that his disciples, his followers, you and me, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, by experience his joy in us. And then our joy, might be Christ. Which is why this morning I want to preach to you on this statement that is fruitful, equal fulfillment. Fruitful, equals fulfillment. He told us to go and bear fruit, and then he said, I told you these things so that you might be full, so that your joy might be full. And the way to say this so that you might be okay. That's all we're talking about. something. Because if you save your life, even in both of your life, not living according to the purpose that God has given for you to live, you are living in unfulfilled life. And I'm thankful that this relative doesn't have a brain, it's not a person. But if it was, it might feel pretty neglected and useless. Because it has not been used to do what it was intended for to accept you. But God didn't create you to sit on a shelf i didn't make you so that you would have to live without following your intended purpose. here's the wonderful thing about that. Because every single one of us has done something, probably made something along the way. To either put ourselves on the shelf or to put ourselves in a place of disrepair and baconness so that if we were to look at ourselves in the mirror, there's at least been a few days, and you usually tell us a lot of days, say, I don't know. Life. Would you like to have your joy well, I know I would, i hate sitting sitting and wasted in, in, in meetings with no purpose, I don't like standing in line, I will change my schedule around to do something else so I don't have to stand in line. Sometimes I'm to get my, my, my CDL. The line with the DMV every day was super long, so I, I just changed my schedule around. I got up. I got up. I swallowed my Bible anyway. i get up anyway. So I got up. I took my laundry. I went down to the P&B at 5.30 in the morning. And I sat outside and read my Bible. So the doors opened and I was first in line. And I got my seatbelt and I went on my way. And I was happy because I thought, I this was living according to my purpose. the <laughs> Maybe you're not. First thing we see about this passage, I think we see the example of our God. The example of it. What is the example Well, first of all, the Father loves the Son. God the Father loves God the Son. Jesus said we here in this passage in verse number nine: God the Father has loved. So have I loved you. John chapter 3 and verse 35, it says, The Father loveth the Son and has given all things into His hand. There are many other verses we can look at this morning for sake of time. I won't go to all of them. But suffice it to say, God, the Father, loves God the Son and loves Him with a perfect love. And ever, lasting. Thing we see about the example of love is that the son obediently loves the father. The son obediently loves the father. Jesus says at the end of verse number nine, He says, "So as I love you continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Notice even as I have kept my father's command." Jesus also said that in the last verse of John chapter fourteen. If you remember, I was just looking across the page. Verse number thirty-one of John fourteen. Jesus says, "But that the world may know that I am the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do." I He said, "I want the whole world to know that I love the Father." But how is the world to know that Jesus loves God the Father? He said, "I'm going to be obedient to His commandments." And how did Jesus demonstrate that? Love? In the most perfect, a complete demonstration of love that there could ever be. Jesus loves the Father. Defying. he went willingly to the cross and suffered and So when Jesus here is saying in John chapter 15 in verse number 10, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abiding in his love, his disciples didn't know what that was going to look like, but Jesus did. Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus gives us the perfect example of love. God the Father gives us the perfect example of love. Then as we look at this idea of the example of our love, I think we can also see that the Son loves his followers. Jesus loves his Father. and they are to love of the love You see the example that's been carried down here, the Father loves the Son? Son loves the Father. If the Son is obedient to the Father, then that is how he demonstrates his love to the Father. In the same way the Son loves us, Jesus loves us. And we are to love him in return. And the way that we do that is through keeping his commandments to the Son. Jesus is not asking you to do anything, but he has not been willing to do it, son. when that, Jesus was willing to go. giving your life as a living sacrifice? He calls it reasonable service. Because it's based upon the mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable Soon he tells us what that looks like. He says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. John, the author of this book that we're studying here in John 15, also wrote a few epistles or letters, and they are uh, recorded for us at the end of our Bible. First, 2nd and 3rd John. In 1st John chapter 3 and verse 18, John writes, My little children, let us not love in words, even neither in time. This is what it is, indeed, and two. He's showing us what this love looks like. Because says, Jesus says in verse 15 and John 14, He you love me, but He said, keep And He tells us, He says, Love here, and if you don't just love in the world, or in time, he love in meaning. In other words, love through your actions, not just your words. He's not saying that you should never say, I love you. He's saying if you're going to say, I love you, then you better have some actions to fall in trouble Love you live. All right, so first seven, four, seven, the love of you says, love. Love one another. Why? For love is not Everyone that loves us is born of God, and you know this. I want you to know this morning you are loved. You're loved by God, and you're loved by this church You may feel like you're alone, and you are all at your own, at your which end of what's going on in your life. If you are loved, you are loved by God, you are loved He's going towards us. John 15, 10, you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my life. Even as I kept my Father's commandments, I abide in His life. We see these examples of But I want you to notice the expectation There's an expectation here in places of life. And you can see it right here. In the test. Last week we looked at that really big little word, if. And that if was the key to whether or not our prayers would be answered or not. He said, If ye abide if my words abide in you, and if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here in verse number 10, he gives us another if. Another conditional word. He's giving us his expectations. If. Keep my commandments. You just abide in my life. Even as I have kept my father's commandments. What's the expectation? That's very clear. Jesus expects us to keep his commandments. You don't have to be a theologian to read that verdict and understand it, right? Jesus expects us to keep his commandments. Understand this a little bit because you may be thinking, wait a minute, I thought we were saved by grace and It's not our works. The Bible says that if we're going to abide in His love, then we have to keep His commandments? Is this a contradiction in the Bible? What's He saying here? Well, let me give you a few other scriptures to help you think about that. When we look at the love of Christ in the Bible, we see that the love of Jesus always comes first. John, who wrote, who is sending to John 15, wrote in 1 John 4, verse 17, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He first loved us. The love of Jesus always comes first. But as we can see in John 14 and John 15, and also in John 14, we show our love, we demonstrate our love by keeping His commandments. John 14, 15, Jesus says it the other way, if you love me, keep my commandments. And John 15 says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. So the love of Jesus always comes first. We show our love by keeping His commandments, and when we keep His commandments, we abide in His they that sounds complicated. That sounds challenging. While well, we are reminded by Jesus Christ himself in this sense, that Jesus, he expects us to keep his commandments. Jesus also kept the Father's commandments. And there's no doubt that the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. So is the love of God decide traditionally based upon Jesus' performance for the father of I don't want to be a part of a performance based religion. I'm with you. Because you can't perform good enough to earn your way to anything other than an eternity in so What did he say? Did so he clearly say the, the greatest example of Christ's obedience to the Father is that he went from Christ to us. So, how does this work? Is the love of Christ for us based on our obedience or obedience? So let me try to help you understand this this way. have a slide here with both verses. John 14, 15, and John 16, 10. If you love like me, keep my commandments. set. I think that makes sense to most of us. We think, well, of course, if I love him, I'm going to keep his commandments. To be it's a uh, passage there our text this morning in John 15, that maybe we might struggle with. It because here he says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide. In my leg. It's so if he's taken the first statement and got first, and he flipped it around and he put it the other direction. So, which comes first? Right. Your question is, which stick it on the other? Well, in this case, which comes first? Is it your word for it? This is Which comes first? Which comes first? Well, we we'll see here, even as I accept my father's chicken, that's what Remember what was going on in the Jesus to his disciples to live lives without his physical presence there every single day. What happened to the disciples when Jesus was crucified and when they put him in the tomb? What happened to, the, to all the disciples during that time? Did they go back? Well, praise God, our sins be been paid for us, so now we can get busy about living on the mission that Christ has given to us. So, what whatever. They either went to good out. later time Peter that I don't like this thing, they went back to their old ways, and it all came right. it wasn't. But in the moment, if you or I had been there, I think it would have felt that way. you feel if you helping to take care of After Jesus has just said, "Woman, well, behold thy son; son, behold thy mother," he said that to John. How would you feel if you were Peter, and in the moment we did up to Christ crucifixion, you Would you feel lonely? Would you feel like a failure? Would you feel pretty defeated? was preparing them to be able to live life without his physical presence. Now, all you have to do is go to John 17, and Jesus promises that he is going to send his presence. He calls them by name, the comforter, the Paraclete, the one who comes alongside of, the one who will lead you into truth, the one who will convict you, the one who will encourage you. Think about this. The disciples in this moment didn't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit all of the time. Now, yes, God did give them his spirit to go and do certain miracles and come back, but it was a time when there were times that they had the spirit and times when they didn't have the spirit. It was only after Christ descended up to heaven that he blessed them with the spirit. We see that in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when they received the spirit of God. God's work began to go from us. So he's preparing them to the end. So that's our question. What's going on here? What comes first? God's love for us keeping still today. Well, we know from scripture that God's love comes first. We love you and why? Because you're first. Well, so what Jesus is telling you, he's telling them how to draw into the place himself and how to continue to grow into the think about it this way, there would be a time when many of these disciples later on where they can sitting in a preaching song. they feel all alone. Say, Lord, I'm all alone. I'm stuck in this prison. What do I do? Lord, do you love me? How can I know it? I want oh, oh, I just don't even feel like that. It's hard to feel like you really love me right now. I just thought i go. Lord, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to go in front of this group of people right now and didn't want to kill me. Could have the words of Peter. Could have the words of Jim. What do I do? If you love me, keep my commandments. And if you keep my commandments, you will find my way. Lord, no one else seems to be doing right. Come out here all alone and preaching the truth, trying to do what you want me to do, but no one else seems to do it. Lord, I, I just don't know if it's worth it. Lord, it's hard to feel like it might be like, because you're just not here, standing by me anymore. How do I know? according to your purpose. How does anybody really know what they're supposed to do? Everybody seems out of it for not a different idea. People tell me this, that, and the other thing, and I'm not sure which way's up sometimes. Or what do I do? Had a conversation with a very smart man, a lawyer who was trying to get Jesus tripped up in his own words. He said, what am I supposed to do? The Lord's said, keep the commandments. He said, Well, which commandments? There's so many of them. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy spirit. He said, The second commandment is like I consider, Thou shalt love Thy. But if you're keeping my commandments, you will keep growing in, abiding it in. We've already talked about what it means to abide in the body, to be firmly connected to remaining, to receive the nourishment and the strength and the encouragement that comes from the Bible. Remember, you can bear fruit on your own. Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. This is a Bible you so that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. How do I do that, Lord? Abide in my life. How do I do that? What is this confidence. And what is his And he looks to love one another. His commandment is to love God who is all a heart, soul, mind, and soul. And the pages of this wonderful book by God to us, is that the manual, if you will, how him and to You can have a fulfilled life if You, so. you will be free. abide in the Bible and he's a Bible is he's To abide in he's a He the God and them to. Without his physical presence, but he's a Bible he's a that he's a Bible he's the Bible They will answer that we not have the completed word. So we have the completed word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit of God. And so when we come to those moments, thinking about a lot of stuff, but not knowing how God to do his commandments. We may still focus on our own problems and our own issues and our own difficulties which are very real. But God has given us His commandments to teach us even how to deal with the difficult things the of the distractiveness, perhaps because of the discouragement, I think many people you will know, just disassociate themselves altogether. So, well, I'm going through a hard time. I just, I just don't want to talk to anybody. Talk to them, Everybody else won't understand. He will. I'm living out of his purpose I you don't know. I mean, does, you God's made you as a purpose. you know and you Jesus Christ as you, if you have? Do you know from his Word what his commandments are to you? Are you living out of so why do you not really see I full of I Yes, if I'm i And it. I know my situation is I I know I know I my situation's different now. Lord, I know this is true. Lord, all the, uh, what other people say and do, what I've got my own self into, I wish I could go, i do this and change this. I anything else. You know, well, what to? Me, just to Lord, I love you. I mean, want to love you, I just want to know what to do. See my I can only imagine, Lord, what the disciples might have run through their heads. Thank you say, "Say so these words to them." maybe some of what's running through our minds this morning, Lord, we I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm too weak. Lord, I, I see it in your Word, but I'm just not sure if I can do it. I don't know what other people will think. I, I don't know how the, what the consequences will be, Lord. I don't know if it will work out the right way. Lord, help us to trust. Believe. Trusting you to come just as we are broken, discouraged, empty. And just come to you responding, not in our own strength, but responding to the strength that comes through you from the love that you've given to us. Lord, I love you. And I know this room has many who love you as well, but Lord, if we're honest, there are times when we are not abiding in your life. We're not full of joy because we're living for ourselves. We're disobeying your world. We're distracted, discouraged, disassociated, whatever it is. Lord, help us to seek you today. Not just me, but this body, this family, this church. Lord, I believe you want to do a great work, and you are doing a great work. You're doing it right here. Today you want to do even more because you're God and that you're that you name be known all around the world, and like down these streets and around this city and across the globe, because there are so many people today that are broken and lost and dying in their sin. And they need the hope of a Savior, may we look to you and live fulfilled in your love. May we keep your commandments to go and to do the good news, to live faithfully, for you to take our burdens to you, Lord to humble ourselves. Lord, may this be come right now when your people come and confess sin. You said in your word, if, if you win your God, iniquity in our hearts, that the Lord will not hear us. Lord, there's probably somebody here today, you know the hearts, I don't. But they to confess sin. Or somebody here today that needs to come to you and be broken over their sin and repent, somebody here today that's just discouraged, they don't feel like they have strength. Or may they come to you today and just place all their tears upon you because you care for them. or know that you're the one that can lift up the one who has fallen, the one who's gone from. Lord, you forgive. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And the us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I just pray that you would move, move in our hearts. I believe you're already doing that. Move in a way that we would go from here to there to follow your instructions. Jesus' name, my friend.